Headlines on Metro FM Talk. 17 minutes it is before 8pm. It's the headline segment here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, this evening, uh, we shine a spotlight here on uh, this report uh, that's come out of the expert panel looking into uh, the uh, July 2021 unrest and uh, joined on the line to talk through, uh, I guess, the key... Uh, yeah, key findings of this particular report in line with the terms of reference they had been given is uh, Dr. Jackie Silias. He's an analyst out at the Institute for Security Studies. Dr. Silias, good evening and welcome. Good evening. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, uh, Doc. Let's maybe start off, I guess, with what this expert panel was on the hook to do, um, what they were appointed to do. Uh, because I think many people yesterday would have seen the the letter that uh, I guess, preface the findings of the report, uh, which was sent to the president. But a big part of this was really, I guess, to um, try and understand um, the, firstly, the executive's decision-making. So the executive as an arm of state, their decision-making during the period leading up to the unrest, during the unrest, uh, and I guess in the period immediately after the unrest. Just from what you've read, Dr. Silias, um, how, do you f- how do you think that was dealt with um, by the expert panel and uh, their findings just on that time horizon, just before uh, July and, uh, of course, or the unrest itself, uh, during the unrest and even thereafter? So the report goes into considerable detail with regard to um, was a, did the intelligence community provide ample warning? Mm-hmm. Um, and they find that they didn't. They provided some indication, but there was clearly a massive intelligence failure. And secondly, once the unrest then started, um, reaction was uh, neither at the executive level, cabinet level, um, nor at the operational level within the police, intelligence community, Mm. defense. Was there really effective response? So on the one side, um, problems within the within the the forewarning was very little forewarning and the warning that was given was not taken seriously largely because the intelligence community is not trusted and because the systems that are established within government uh to coordinate and to liaise and so on were not they exist but they nobody took them seriously and they're not being implemented Mm. so it's quite an indictment of the way in which um sort of our senior executive works and then once, of course, the violence happened, there was uh, initially a delay in uh, how uh, the police responded. There was an incoherence between the minister and the National Police Commissioner. Uh, and eventually uh, the SANDF was deployed. They reacted quite, quite quickly, but largely a failure in, in South Africa's security governance. And in particularly structures like the uh, National Security Council that have been established, but obviously doesn't really operate. Mm-hmm. So a whole host of challenges. And the report basically says cabinet, the president needs to take collective responsibility, tell us how they're going to how they're going to hold themselves and others accountable and what's going to happen to change this going forward. Mm. Let's also talk, I guess, about, um, I mean, you spoke about the role of intelligence, um, the, re- the red flags, the forewarnings and all of that. But also, I mean, just the dissemination of information between different organs of state. Uh, government structures that provide some information, how that information was processed. That was a big part well, of the terms of reference. Um, I mean, yeah. how, how was that dealt with? Well, it wasn't dealt with very well. There were some vague um, warnings, but uh, they weren't very specific. And government has a central, let's call it a clearinghouse, mm. uh, NICOC, the National Intelligence Coordinating Committee, which is supposed to be where, let's call it the National Intelligence uh, Assessment is brought together. So, mm. 
secret uh, state security agency and the military police would report to this. They would provide sort of a consolidated analysis to to cabinet and to others. And that wasn't taken seriously. There were some warnings, but um, because um, intelligence, uh, the state security agency has become factionalized uh, and they are it's incapacitated, many senior appointments are not permanent appointments, and there's a whole battle within uh, the state security agency, which has been exposed by the Mufamari panel of a few years ago. Mm. Nobody really takes intelligence seriously. And the image one gets is of a government that really operates in silos. So intelligence does its own thing, the police do their own thing, the military do their own thing. And these coordinating structures and collaborating organizations uh, weren't effectively functioning. And that really is the cause of concern, I think, uh, if we watch how government uh, just seems incoherent at, at the most senior level at a time when South Africa experienced a massive uh, outbreak of violence that really threatened the, uh, the stability of the country. Mm. And the role then, I guess, uh, and I want us to go through just the, the terms of reference, and I mean, we can unpack very critical parts of the report maybe in that way. First one, private security. Um, I mean, that's the other element that uh, was in the terms of reference, considering the role that private security companies played in mounting an effective response. And we'll come back, I guess, to the South African police service and some of the frustrations uh, that uh, had been put in play there. The report doesn't go in tremendous amount of detail on private security. It points to the fact that they have significant more resources than, um, than for example, the police, than mm. the intelligence community. And, but it points very clearly to the lack, firstly, of the effective governance of the private security industry. It is governed, but not, not very effectively. And then the lack of collaboration and uh, information sharing between private security and the state. Um, and those are the main challenges that I think uh, the report points to. And then it, it recommends that going forward, these uh, the collaboration and the mutual sharing of particularly intelligence and information really needs to be sharpened. Uh, so uh, significant um, uh, recommendations in that regard, but it doesn't really go into a huge amount of detail on what private security did or did not mm. do during the, during the unrest. And then, of course, organized groupings of people in the society. I mean, much like what we saw in Phoenix. Um, any reflections in the report on how uh, developments unfolded in Phoenix, uh, which uh, was certainly a site no, for a really, lot of yeah. this, yeah. You know, there have been EFF and others have, have of course, uh, for their own interest, raised the Phoenix issue. Uh, but I don't think that that really... Um, the, the, the commission had a very short time. And the report is really quite, quite amazingly done if you realize that I think they had three months or something like that mm. uh, to finish the report. It was finished, I think, November, handed to the state president, and it's now been released to us. Um, so they didn't really, in great detail, unpack and uh, try to understand what happened in Phoenix or in any other specific location. They really looked uh, at the broad trends, at the, the systemic issues that hampered effective uh, collaboration. I don't think that's a weakness in the report. Mm. I think they stuck to their mandate. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, insofar as I guess this and how it interfaces with other processes, we know the Human Rights Commission has had its own hearings. Um, and I'm quite interested whether or not, you know, in, the, in how the um, members of this expert panel undertook their tasks, there was any interaction with that process. 
Well, there is an appendix which lists everybody that they had interaction with, and it's mm. quite a long list. But they also indicate very clearly that they had limited time. They couldn't meet with, they particularly couldn't meet with a collective of the cabinet mm. security cluster. And they express some frustration about that. Um, my impression, and I stand to be corrected, is that they did not formally interact with, uh, with some of the other commissions of inquiry, mm. um, like the Human Rights Commission and so on, that, uh, that uh, were simultaneously um, uh, busy looking at some of these issues. But I, I stand to be corrected on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess, you know, the, the other sort of big question mark that I think many South Africans would have... Um, is when it comes to the South African police service. I mean, we even saw the premier of the province of Guazulu Natal expressing frustration, you know, yeah. effectively taking the law into his own hands on camera, uh, trying to apprehend one of the young people who was involved in, you know, a lot of the uh, uh, looting that uh, happened during that particular moment. Yeah. And you could see, I mean, he was on the phone trying to get hold of certain people, but, uh, you know, the South African police service sorely absent from many of the sites where, you know, fires were being lit and, you know, where, where looting was happening. Um, how does the report, I guess, give treatment to the role of the South African Police Service and some of the coordination, information sharing and resourcing issues uh, that yeah. we saw in July? You know, it, the, the report is quite careful in, um, in, for example, reflecting upon the lack of collaboration between political principles and uh, senior officials, but very clearly that is a reference to the uh, Minister of Police and the uh, National Police Commissioner. And we all know, it's public knowledge, that the two, that, the, that, that they are not collaborating, that they, um, uh, that they are at odds, um, and they are part of different factions within the ANC. And, that, and one can carry on with all the, with all the reasons and the challenges uh, that, that they face. Um, there is also a reference in the report to hesitancy within the police uh, to act because uh, they weren't sure about the, the factionalization of the violence. Because I think that what underlies the entire report is the extent to which what happened in July of last year is an outcome of the factional battles within the ANC, which spilled out and now is a threat to all of us. Um, and this at a time when the security agencies are weak, they have been uh, disrupted and dismantled to a degree, largely uh, during uh, Jacob Zuma's time as president. So um, that, that, that uh, and the report starts off by making the point, you know, um, it's not if we are going to have additional uh, violence in South Africa, it's just a question of when. And that really is very concerning. If we look at the state of the police, we look at the complete lack of of um, trust in, in the intelligence system and the lack of, of just of basic management within the police and the mm. intelligence where any number of senior positions are vacant um, and they are, if they are full, they are full based on, on factional lines and not by professional police men and women uh, or from the intelligence community who know what they are doing. Mm. And those failures and challenges, I think, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's quite concerning. So where to from here? Uh, what does the report suggest by way of, uh, I guess, one, not only just preempting uh, via early warning mechanisms, but effectively managing the response? I mean, one of the things I saw, Dr. Silias, which for me was quite unsettling during that moment, was that many of the municipalities that probably wouldn't see on TV, who were inland in KZN, faced with chronic resourcing challenges, unable yeah. to even have you know, riot gear 
you know, water yeah. cannons, that type of thing. Um, I mean, it just shows the challenges are so systemic. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what the report says ideally should be done. And I hope some of that involves uh, probably much better budgetary allocations to some entities in the security cluster. You know, in, in my view, money is not the problem. Mm. Um, we spend particularly a lot of money on, on the police, on intelligence. We sure. spend very little on defence uh, nowadays. But it is the allocation and the use of the money that is the problem. Where does the, the money go? Budget, does, it, is, is, does it go to slush funds? What, what does it go towards? Yeah. Um, well, it, it, it's also the allocation. You know, the police have something like, I think, 500 generals. Um, it, it, you have extremely top-heavy structures, and many of the problems are within the police, the allocation of resources mm. uh, can be dealt with through, I think, just effective decentralization, slimming down of the top structures, and basic management issues. But mm. apart from the wastage and, the, um, and so on, of which there is a lot, um, uh, the, the, uh, you know, let, let's look at the, uh, let's take an example of SARS, how that was turned around within its current budget, by appropriate leadership. And what is really required within police and intelligence is bringing in competent, permanent people uh, from the ranks of the police and the intelligence to manage them and keeping the politics out of this, mm. uh, stopping with cadre deployment and, and taking the advice of the senior police and then making a clear distinction between what is the responsibility of the National Commissioner once you have a competent mm. uh, and uh, a trusted person appointed in that position and the minister and getting the structures within government that are supposed to coordinate this to function. They exist on paper. They just are not implemented. And that is so true of much of us. I mean, we've had so many commissions of inquiry, many recommendations. They're not implemented. People are not held to account. Mm. And that is, at the end of the day, the, the, the primary challenge with regard to leadership and um, management in South Africa. Maybe a last one then, uh, you know, when we see reports of this kind coming out, and uh, one would think many other more detailed reports will come out from the respective, uh, um, you know, state institutions and state organs. Um, a lot has been said about, I guess, you know, trying to get hold of the instigators of this. Um, has there been any, in your sort of view and what it, what, in what you've observed, any attention paid to some of those within the state, within organs of the state, uh, who are either negligent, who are either sleeping on the wheel here, um, or who effectively looked away, turned you know, um, uh, turned a blind eye to much of what was happening. I mean, I, I, I recall seeing the hordes of people on Queen Nandi Drive in, in Durban uh, during one of the, um, I guess, you know, days in the eye of the storm during the July riots. Um, and it makes one wonder, I guess, you know, how how many people just looked the other way who had the authority to act, uh, not only in the police, but in many other parts of the state? Lack of consequence management is um, the single largest problem within South Africa. Um, and, it, you know, I, I often make the point that ANC stands for absolutely no consequences because it, it is... It is the lack of holding people to account, whether it is on procurement, whether it is the management of their portfolios, whether it is whichever example you want to use, which really is, has become a hallmark of South Africa. And together with um, uh, really intrusive, uh, excessive, um, stringent labor legislation and recourse to courts, um, moving things forward in South Africa have become a major hurdle. It's just a lack of action, a lack of urgency in terms of dealing with whether it is unemployment, our economy, 
um, or in this case with uh, the challenges that we face in the security sector. So much can be done um, if, 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 we, if there's really a willingness to hold people to account and to say, what is your plan and how are you going to execute this and let's see progress. That is just not being done. Many of the problems within the security uh, establishment can be resolved by basic and good management and not, not necessarily more money. Um, so I, I think that for me, that, that really, uh, that's really what underpins the challenges that we face. Dr. Yaki Silias, thank you very much for your time. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you. Yeah, that there was uh, 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 Professor Yaki Silias, I should say. Uh,